Bonjour. Konnichiwa. I am Frederic Rigolo, News Director of Belmont Media Center. And I'm Komako Akai Whitelaw, Citizen Journalist for BMC. Welcome to our new podcast series, Power of Music. What makes us musicians? What draws us into music? Those are the core questions we hope this podcast series answers. In this first season, we interview Powers Music School faculty members. We'd like to give special thanks to Kelly Weber and Gavin Farrell for their support. The production of our podcast incidentally coincided with the COVID-19 pandemic, which reminds us how music heals us, how music brings us joy, and how music brings us together. In this episode, Music is Medicine, Yov Salazar Fonseca, Powers Music School Violin Faculty Member and Youth Orchestra Director, shares with us his amazing journey through music. The podcast begins with Yov playing a transcription for the violin of the cello suite number one, The Pelude, by Johann Sebastian Bach. You will also hear later the hymn I'm a child of God. My name is Hope Salazar Fonseca. I am in the violin faculty at the Powers Music School, and I'm also uh, the director of the Powers Youth Orchestra. I play the violin, uh, Baroque violin, and the viola de gamba. My violin is, is actually French. It has the characteristics of a French violin from the 19th century. It has gut strings. They're all gut strings instead of metal strings. The violin didn't, didn't really change much throughout history, but the thing that really, really changed was the, the bow. Uh, the uh, older bows from the 17th, 18th century, they really looked like a bow, rather than the French, once it came to the French uh, bow-making school, is the, the, the curve is uh, the, other, the, the other way. This is a replica uh, of a bow from the 17th century. I didn't have very good teachers. I remember one particular teacher when I was uh, in my teenage years that he wasn't never satisfied or happy with how I would practice. I would come to my lesson, I would play, and he was uh, basically, you're doing it wrong. That was the only feedback I would get from him. And one time he said, uh, and you know what, I think you should try to 
do something else, violin is not for you, music is not for you. He broke my heart, I remember that time. He broke my heart, I went home and my mom, uh, she would say what happened and I would tell her, you know, and then she would just look at me and say, well, you like music? Yes. You like violin? Yes, I would say. You wanna keep playing? Yes. And she would say, well, there are other teachers. He's not the only one. My mom, she was the best teacher I had, and sadly, I never had a chance to tell her, tell her that. Uh, and she passed four years ago. She had cancer. Long story short, she goes into hospice, and my sister calls me, and says, hey, my mom is sick, I think you should come. So I go, and I go with my violin. I would play uh, my violin every, every night, every afternoon, whenever she wanted music. And uh, she would say, oh, can you play me this bolero or, you know, this uh, romantic song that she liked or uh, would, would you play this hymn um, from church? And I did that for the last week uh, uh, that she was alive. And I'll never forget the last time I played for her. So it was just my mother and I in, in the room where she was. And I was playing my violin and she just, uh, you know, she was just really relaxed. And all of a sudden the atmosphere in the room changed and it felt like time stopped. I've never lived anything like that. And I was playing uh, one of her favorite hymns that she liked from church. And after I finished playing, I noticed that she wasn't breathing anymore. And the room became completely silent after I played. You could not hear anything. I went uh, to approach her bed, uh, check her pulse, check if she was breathing. I didn't feel anything. Uh, an overwhelming feeling of happiness came into the room. And I felt that she was really happy. I couldn't see her. Uh, but I can tell you I could feel her, that which is she was very, very happy that she was finally free, I guess, from all the pains and all the things that she had to go through. And that was, I believe, because of music, how that sound uh, affected uh, her and helping her on her last journey and how the sound uh, affected the room and how everything changed. When my sister and my dad, come, they come back home. Little by little, the room started to change back to normal, especially when my nieces and nephews came. Uh, and that was a moment where I started to realize that music is not only meant for the concert hall or for entertainment or for workout or for, you know, to be relaxed or Music is meant to, to be in your life uh, from the beginning all the way to the end of your life. I'm going to play Prelude 
by Nicolini Cosma. I grew up in Mexico, in uh, outside of uh, Monterrey City. We didn't have much growing up, and our neighbor was a member of the of the symphony. He was a percussionist, and neighbor gave us tickets to go see the symphony. The only thing I can remember from going to the symphony was in the violin section. I was fascinated by by the sound, I just loved the sound. I wasn't sure what it was, but I just wanted a violin. I don't remember what they were playing. I remember seeing people dressed very nicely, very elegantly, and I felt like in a different world, to be honest with you. It was my first time with classical music, and I, I, I noticed the, the difference on what I would see in my neighborhood versus the social aspect that I would see in, 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 the, in, in the concert hall. And once I started playing, it, it was like tasting ice cream for the first time, I think. My mother was a very spiritual person, a very religious, and she would uh, take us to church and we would listen to the organ playing at church. And one of the things that bothered her was that uh, nobody from the community would play the instrument, the organ or the piano. It was always people that would come as missionaries from other countries, and she always said, oh, that's, that's a pity that nobody in the community is able to play the organ. So she said, I'm going to change that. I'm a little old to learn an instrument, but I'm going to make my children learn it. So all of us learned how to play the piano. I kept asking for a violin. And finally, when I turned 10, I, I received a violin. You know, a few weeks later, once I started taking lessons, um, I came home from school and I couldn't find my violin. 
and I started to cry. Where's my violin? Where's my violin? My mom came from work, um, and she finally found out that one of my older siblings uh, uh, hit the violin because they were tired of the scratchiness. And I was fascinated by the scratchiness. I love the violin being scratchy. I'm going to play a prelude by Arcangelo Corelli. I used to practice a lot. It's very popular in Mexico to play football, soccer. Uh, I didn't have time for that. Every weekend I remember my friends going fishing or going camping, doing activities. I couldn't because I had to practice. Uh, when I was uh, in my mid-teenage years, 14, 15, 16, my older siblings were in college, and so my parents didn't have much money. So my mom basically said, you have to, you have to help out. If you wanna continue your lessons, we can afford it. I had a really busy schedule then. Uh, at that point, I was taking seminary classes for my, uh, in my church. So those seminary classes were really early in the morning. Uh, 5.30 to 6.30, one hour every day from Monday to Friday. After that, I would go to the restaurant and work from 7.30 around noon. I would get lunch really quick, and then I would go to my music classes from like 1 to 4, 4.30. And then after that, I did high school, but I did a high school in the evenings. And I would do homework on the bus or on the subway. <laughs> I still not sure how I handle and manage to do that, but uh, uh, I was really glad that that experience taught me how to work hard and how to appreciate work, and I loved it. So, in my church, we had the opportunity to serve a mission. So I wanted to do it. I finished high school and I wanted to go help people, be a missionary. I didn't have money for that. And I had worked really hard to buy the violin that I had. And I remember, I still remember my mom, my mom's voice, you know, if you put others before you, you're going to be happy. So I said, well, I have two violins. I have uh, my nice violin and I have the violin I used to use that not very nice. So I sold the nice one. the old one and I took the violin with me. I went to serve a mission for two years for my church 
and I help a lot of people in ways I've never imagined I would be able to help. From building houses, from fixing things, to teaching them about compassion, about love, spirituality. When I was in Tijuana, I met a lot of immigrants from Central America, mostly, and the South part of Mexico, that they would try to cross across the border to the United States and they would get deported. A lot of them, in a way, were like me, that they had left everything. Uh, maybe they didn't sell a violin like I did to be able to be there, but they had sold everything to be able to, to look for a new life, for a new opportunity. We did a lot of music lessons on Saturdays, for obviously for free, for communities that never, never thought that they would be able to learn how to play the piano. And I started to realize that music it was not only for the egocentric purpose of saying, oh, I can play really fast, or I can play really nice. Come look at me, how amazing I am. I started to realize that music was not for that. That music was meant to make a connection, to bring people together, to bring a message of hope, of, of happiness, or whatever it is, but it was meant to connect people, not to stay inside of you, to make yourself feel uh, amazing, if that makes sense. This is a very traditional old Mexican tune uh, called uh, La Llorona. I knew then that I wanted to become a professional violinist, but in the society and world that I grew up with, that was not possible. I became an American citizen in 2015 in Funny Hall here in Boston. And it was just my wife and I, nobody else could come to the ceremony. Uh, I will never forget that ceremony. And then the judge that is there, said, this is what this country is about. It's about you guys. And I was like, hmm, what? And he said, it's because of people like you that decided to leave everything behind and wanted to not only find a better future for you, but to build a better future together. And he said, today you become American and we are welcome you. But he said, I don't want you to forget who you are, where you come from, because that that's what makes America so special, that you bring all the traditions and, and, and cultures that enrich, that you're gonna enrich the community. It's a really powerful, uh, special moment. My mom always loved music, not just for, you know, the church, but she was always singing music. A lot of, uh, you know, Mexican boleros, a lot of Mexican folk music. And in fact, when I was 15, 
I played for a couple of years in a mariachi band and uh, we recorded, we, you know, we play a lot of concerts and my mom always tried to cultivate in us and especially me that you should be proud of where you come from and the music that represents you know, where you come from. So we always had uh, a, a good mix of, um, of classical Western music, but also my mom uh, having us listen and get to know the traditional uh, folk music of, of our town in Mexico. I was blessed well, with the opportunity to pursue my bachelor's. I have several degrees in music. I have a, a couple postgraduate degrees in music. I was really, I'm really blessed to be able to work at the Powers Music School and to conduct the, the youth orchestra, which is uh, composed of um, mostly high schoolers. I love it. I absolutely love it. This is fun, conducting, creating sounds. But my favorite part is to, to get to know the kids, to get to know their stories, their challenges, their, their dreams. Uh, and working with youngsters uh, keeps me young in a uh, life. <laughs> you feel like a chef in a kitchen where you have all these spices and these ingredients and then you start mixing them and you start smelling and creating different textures. Uh, that's how I feel, but uh, instead of with my taste buds, I, I feel it with my ears and with my, my, my hands. If somebody were to tell me that I would be doing what I'm doing right now when I was a little boy in Mexico, I would have told them that only happens in movies. That's not real. That's that's a dream. That <laughs> I was blessed to work with probably some of the best musicians and teachers in the world. Once I came to the, the United States, I'm a teacher. I have my studio. I have my students. In a way, I'm rich. I have my wife and I have a beautiful son. That for me is the biggest uh, treasure I have. So I really feel, I really feel rich. And I think that in a way I'm grateful that that teacher told me that, even though it broke my heart, I'm grateful that he told me, you know what, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. It made me want it even more. When I was a teenager, I used to think I'm gonna, I'm gonna show that teacher he's wrong. And for a long time, that's only, that's only what I wanted to do. With time, it became a, a, a even bigger purpose that eventually, you know, the music connects people. The music is not just music, it's in a way, it's, it's, it's medicine in many ways. You know, you hear music and you feel 
I don't know, sometimes that you can travel to a different place without leaving that place. And, and I can tell you a lot of experiences about that, but I don't think I would have become a professional musician if he would have not said that. I'm going to play the Largo movement from the C major uh, violin sonata uh, for solo violin by Johann Sebastian Bach. This is one of the songs I played the most when my wife was pregnant with my son and probably the song that I used to play for him a lot when he was in the NICU, even now I still play it. My son was a preemie. He came uh, uh, at 32, 33 weeks. And he was in the NICU for about um, a month. This was in 2019, summer 2019. So my mom had already passed. So I already had that experience with music. I was really scared when, when he was in NICU. I felt impotent of not being able to do anything for him. And from the moment that he was born, even before he was born, I would play for my wife when she was pregnant. I asked one of the nurses the first night, uh, he was in NICU, I said, hey, I, I play the violin, can I come with my violin? I didn't tell her, you know, I'm a violinist, I'm a musician. I just said, I play the violin, can I bring it to, you know, to play some lullabies, to play something for my son? She was hesitant at first. She didn't really like the idea. She said, well, we played, uh, you know, we play music uh, for the babies on the speakers, computer speakers. And inside of me, I'm like, well, my violin is much nicer than your speakers. I didn't say that, of course. Wait, so I came back with my violin and I started playing um, uh, one of the songs that I used to play with him when my wife was pregnant. that little and they have you know tubes and things that you can't really see their faces uh, but he smiled I remember seeing him smile when I was playing the babies what did they do they cried right so I'm playing and then I started to notice as I was playing that the babies would little by little uh, get quieter and quieter this nurse she started to notice this so she starts to wheel in the other cribs from the other rooms to the room where my son was. So all of a sudden I, have, I had to like 10 cribs around me and eventually all the babies went to sleep. Um, I found that fascinating. Um, and uh, the nurses came and then the doctors came and all of a sudden I had a crowd right there in the NICU. And that was another moment where I realized that 
really music was it's meant to be in, in our lives that uh, after that my son started eating on his own uh, they took his feeding tube out he started to uh, reach his milestones uh, quicker and he came home uh, a lot faster than we thought he would and I really believe uh, music could play a big part on, on, on that. This episode was edited by Frédéric Rigolot. In next episode, meet with Mary Ciconetti, an oboe teacher and the chair of the wind, brass and percussion faculty at Powers Music School. my way of expressing myself. It goes so far back into the core of my being. People identify a certain way. I am a woman. I would say I'm an oboist over anything else. Like, hello, my name's Mary. I'm an oboist.